Welcome back, everybody, into Bill's Chat on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. This is Josh McCarty. With me, as always, is Luca. Luca, how are you doing tonight? It's good to be back home. Uh, if you watched our live show this past Friday, I was in a hotel at that point in time, was out uh, celebrating my fiance's best friend's wedding over this past weekend. It was a great time. Had a great time last night. It's crazy to think that 24 hours ago, I was still wrapping up the dinner at a wedding right outside of New York City. And now here I am back in Buffalo sitting in my house recording this episode, but feeling good. Um, excited for the draft to get here and be over with, I'll be honest. And obviously that's what tonight's episode is going to be about. Um, but overall, I'm feeling good, doing good. Glad to sit, sit down here with you and have one more last pre-draft episode of our content before it all kicks off. You know, it's funny because we were coming up with what we want to talk about tonight because what hasn't been said, mock drafts out the wazoo, uh, scenario thought process out the wazoo. And we were just trying to think, what can we put out tonight? And we just did a two-hour mock draft on Friday, which we highly recommend you go check out on YouTube. We had a lot of fun with that. Some real good scenarios played out there, and Luke and I ended up making individual picks for the Bills at pick 27 based on how the first 26 picks went. But what Luke and I have come up with is we feel the draft fatigue out there. We're experiencing the draft fatigue. So what we're not going to do tonight is we're not going to be like, so let's talk one more time about Jordan Addison. Let's talk about Josh Downs. Like, no, we've had those conversations. We, we understand who the prospects are. We understand what the Bills needs are. What we're going to do tonight is we're just going to get it all out. What do we think? We are, we are recording this on Sunday. This is coming to your podcast platform near you Monday morning, bright and early. We'll be on YouTube Monday afternoon. Look out for that. Um, so we are a handful of days away from the draft. Luca and I, we keep our ear to the ground on everything. We feel like we have a good um, grasp of the pulse of this team. We're just going to tell you everything that we think we know about what the Bills are up to. And Luca, in researching what to talk about for this show, I went back and listened to our final podcast last year before the draft. And I found something interesting, and this is where I want to launch tonight with what we're going to first talk about. You and I had agreed on that episode that we could confidently narrow it down to one of five players the Bills would take with that first round pick. Cornerbacks, Kair Elam or Andrew Booth Jr. Safeties, Daxton Hill or Lewis Seen or running back Brees Hall. And something also we said even though Andrew Booth Jr. was rated higher by most experts, we both thought the Bills would prefer Kyir Elam over Andrew Booth, which is what ended up playing out. Luca, are you as confident right now that if I handed you a, a piece of paper and said, write down five names um, and bet your life savings, can you get the Bills' first pick? Because I will tell you, I feel like it's a little bit more wide open this year. A little bit. <laughs> I mean, I genuinely don't think I would be if you handed me this piece of paper, which we're going to have a fun game later that I'll let you describe and everything like that. But if you gave me an opportunity and you said, hey, you need to write down three names that you absolutely believe the Bills have a high percentage chance of walking away with come night one or night two, depending on the scenario, um, I 
I really wouldn't know who to write down there. There's a lot of names that have been tossed around that make some sort of sense, but that's kind of the whole thing that I've gotten through this whole process that we've, you know, just built up to, to this point right now. It, I don't think there's a clear cut way like there was last year. I find it interesting that you did listen back to our old episodes. It must've been interesting and nostalgic in a way, but um, it was like that whole process. You and I were on similar wavelengths and it was almost clear cut in a way that it made it so easy for us. As long as you kind of just went between the lines a little bit, understood what the bills were doing, understood their trends, you know, and what they looked for and stuff like that. And it doesn't take too, too much. You just need time and effort and to care about what you're doing. But eventually you and I, as you just said, we listed five players, all of them made total sense if the bills took at that point in time. But one of those guys obviously ended up being the pick for them there. And it wasn't a surprise at all. Now, I genuinely have no clue the direction they're going to go at pick 27, maybe move up because they like a guy or move back. I don't think there's a clear path or understanding of what they need to do. And that's what makes the whole conversation is what made this process both entertaining and frustrating all at the same time. And on Twitter and stuff, I know obviously you more interact with everyone through our Twitter account at Bill's chat pod than I do, but I see the notifications all the time. And every other person has a different thing to say about what they need to do. And I think last time, last year, this time, that was not the case. I, I'm pretty sure everyone was on a similar page. It's like, hey, everyone knows the glaring issue, the, the big need, what we need to do. And it's secondary, most likely corner related. We need to do something about this. We need to address this, so on and so forth. And you could maybe talk yourself into a Brees Hall, but ultimately, they understood Kyir Elam was their guy. They loved him and everything like that. And they made it happen and they addressed that immediate need while also the future need that will be there at that position. Now it's kind of like there's holes on this roster, but none are like really glaring needs. Uh, you could, you could throw a middle linebacker there. I will say, and I'll wrap this up real quick. Like middle linebacker might be the one that you go, Hey, that's a glaring need. But when you have the likes of Milano, Poyer, Hyde, you know, Trey White's hopefully going to be back a little bit better. And then you have high end prospects like Kyrie. You have enough guys around that's like, you should be able to disguise that one little hole there with all of this talent around it, where it's like, you don't need to reach for someone at 27 to fill that need, immediate need, because that's not what you do in the draft. And there's no one that's really worth it, anyways, to do so. So, it's it's an interesting situation that we've gotten to ourselves here where it is the polar opposite of last year. I can't name players for you. I genuinely don't know. We are going to name players later in this episode, but I it, my confidence level with these guys is not exactly sky high. Another interesting takeaway from that episode last year, uh, up through the draft, you and I were crushing on a bunch of wide receivers. Jamison Williams, Christian Watson were two of our favorites. And what's funny is on that episode, we both said, you know, we'd love to see this team at a wide receiver, but based on the way things are sounding, I think we're prepared to rule out wide receiver in round one. And it played out that way. Luca sitting here on 423. Are you prepared to rule out any position? And let's keep it realistic. Obviously we'd all rule out quarterback punter and kicker and long snapper, but of the positions that, you know, somewhat, some way get mocked to the bills on a, on a frequent infrequent basis, any of those positions that you feel confident in ruling out at this point, offensive line, okay. I am confident 
I am very confident based on how the tea leaves have gone that offensive tackle, I guess I'll say, but even I don't understand it. If they were go to interior, I've seen some people say interior offensive line out there as well. I can maybe understand it when it's like, Hey, you've got to explain what you're doing. Mitch Morris, blah, 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 whatever you want to sell me on that maybe, but overall, just to put a broad kind of term on it, offensive line in general, I'm fairly confident that they believe what they have in house is a lot better of a situation than what we think outside of the building. And we've been saying that this whole time and you know, you listen to insiders and you see what's going on and you try to read the tea leaves as best as you can. Offensive line does not seem to be something that realistically is a position they're going to address in the first round. They don't have a history of doing it. And I don't think that there's necessarily anyone in the position of where they're at that they're absolutely in love with based on their pre there's, there's maybe a guy I will name potentially later or that will come up later. But outside of like one, maybe two guys, you know, and it would probably have to take a special circumstance to get them. I don't see them going that direction. Um, it just it's kind of one of the it's that one position when it comes to, like you said, outside of quarterback and all the other specialty positions or whatnot. Um, that would be the one where I would go. People may want something at that position way more than the bills in the building want. And that's one where I would say I have the most confidence if I had to name a position that they're not going to address first with their first pick in the draft. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And it is important what you just said there. We're talking about the first round pick. Luke is not saying they're not going to take an offensive lineman at any point in the draft. We're talking about what they do on night one of the draft. I'm with you. Offensive line, I think I'm ready to almost rule out. I, I don't think there's room for an interior offensive lineman on this roster. Mitch Morris is still here. Ryan Bates just got a contract extension last offseason. Connor McGovern signed a big contract this offseason. David Edwards is considered to be a pretty high-end backup guard. They still have Ike Botker. I think they're in pretty good shape. Ryan Bates would obviously be the backup for Mitch Morris if something happened there, and then Edwards comes in. It doesn't seem like there's a path there. And then everybody wants to talk about tackle. And every time Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott speak, all they do is pump up Spencer Brown. And, and you don't want to say make excuses for him, but they do excuse some of the inconsistency. He was a raw prospect. He His, his development in college got hampered by COVID restrictions. Um, he had the back injury last year that cut into his training camp. I'm with you. Another position I'm going to throw into the mix that I am ready to rule out, and this one is not as heavily mocked to the Bills as offensive line, but I have seen it picking up steam recently, safety. I have seen even Joe Biscaglia in one of his recent mocks mock the Bills a safety. And I get it in theory. In a lot of ways, it's similar to what happened last year with Terrell Bernard at linebacker. It's you have Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, but... Edmonds is coming up on a contract contract year. Milano had an out in his contract. The Bills could get out of you. You want to restock the cupboard, and it's pretty bare after those guys. But in this situation, Jordan Poyer is on a multi-year deal. You have Micah Hyde coming back. You signed Taylor Rapp, albeit to a one-year deal in free agency, but you're as good as you can be at backup safety there. Um, just last week, Demar Hamlin announced he intends to continue to play football. I feel like even if you spent a first round pick on a safety, the absolute best case scenario is that player comes in and beats out Taylor Rapp to be your backup safety. There is just no path to playing time for that first round pick unless Micah Hyde 
and Jordan Poyer get hurt. And I would put my money on the fact that Taylor Rapp would most likely be the next guy off the bench. And I'm all about stocking the shelves for the future and looking two steps ahead. I think that's smart. But you're talking about your first round pick. You're talking about a team that's in a Super Bowl window. And I do think they need to be greedy with these draft picks. Yes, you want to have an eye on 2024, 25, 26. But this team needs a boost now as well. And there are just other positions where I think value will line up for safety, where it just doesn't make sense for the Bills to use their best asset in this draft to take a guy who may rank no higher than fourth in that building. For sure. I, I'm with you 100%. I've seen some safety chatter out there, and I believe... Um, I don't, I'm not sure I, I was doing something in the process cause I was getting kind of a point, uh, brought up here, but you even referenced in a previous episode where someone had brought up safety. Don't rule out safety as a first round pick. Um, can't give the credit if you didn't give it to the earlier just now, but no worries. My whole thing is you even, we were talking off air that someone had brought up a point where they had informed an individual who was a corner that is looked at like a safety prospect in the NFL, that the bills are straight up telling individuals that they like corners that then they mold and convert into safeties as the current safeties right now that they have on the roster were corners at one point. So <laughs> in a weird way, you basically need to look at corners. If you want to understand the bills, it seems like, and what they like in safeties. That being said, if you want to just look at safeties and maybe that's not entirely the entire truth and they just like a specific type of athlete that seems to come more at corner in the college ranks than the you know safety position in the college ranks, I then fast forward, and this is a point that I've brought up in the past myself, I look at the safety class of next season and there is just way better athletes at the safety position next year's draft than there is right now. This year's draft has a lot more of undersized kind of good tacklers, but undersized, not necessarily known as beast coverage guys. To me, they're they not saying that they're bad in coverage. I'm just saying it's not one of their highlights. Whereas next year, I look at it and just look going down a list. I'm not even going to name names, six foot, six, three, six, two, six, five, six, two, six, one. And all of these individuals are four five flat or faster. And it's just, they are known for having fluid hips, great in coverage, good ball hawking skills, things like that. And when you hear those kinds of things, those are things that I think they like in their safeties. They don't need a guy who is kind of, they want you to be a sure tackler for sure, but they want to make sure you're covering back forward. And that's what the success of Hyde uh, and Poyer has been all these years. It's they always make sure their back, you know, too high situation is always covered. And then they bring it forward from there. That is where they are, you know, the big kind of impact that they are on this defense. That's what they like in their safeties. You know, every, that's what they need. So however you want to paint it here, I'm with you 100%. Safety is just not a position in this year's draft at this point in this position of the draft that they're at, at pick 27, if we want to talk about that, that they're not going to spend a blue chip uh, piece here for a safety in this year's draft. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and I think they could address safety middle to end of the draft if for somebody to come in and really just compete with DeMar Hamlin for that fourth safety spot. But I feel like the top three are just locked in stone right now, and there's just no real value there. And like you said, um, next year's draft class is stocked, and if you need a safety next year, fine, you can address it next year. But I, I don't think this team need, needs to have the appetite to go out of safety. All right, we've talked about positions we'd rule out. 
let's say you're in Vegas right now, Luca, and somebody says, I will give you $500,000 if you can accurately predict the position the Bills take first in this draft. What position would you say? Oh, wow. Um, see, that's a tough, that's you a me, tough. Let me tell you mine. Yeah. You, you know think what? About it? Let's, okay. let's, let's, let's let you kick off on this one. Cause you obviously just for everyone to understand right now, uh, I don't have like, normally we have an outline. I understand where Josh is going with this. This is a true, you know, off the hip, you know, just we're running with it right now. And I have no idea where Josh is bringing me. So yeah, Josh, you lead the way here. What is the position you would put 500 grand on essentially? And again, I, I would not bet 500 grand. This is a, if I get it right, I win yeah. 500 grand. I don't feel confident enough to do that, but if I had to accurately predict it to me, it's wide receiver. And I don't know how close it is. And here's some reasons why one, I feel like where the bills pick at 27, there are about five guys that make a lot of sense at that spot. I mean, if you want to include even people like Josh Downs, I think we all kind of assume that JSN is going to be off the board. But after that, you see Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnston, um, Jalen Hyatt, all those guys going off the board in the 20s, right where the Bills are supposed to be picking. Jordan Addison as well. Then Josh Downs generally kicks off the second round. But that's that's right in the value. And that's obviously a big need. The other thing I will say about wide receiver, and they've had three of those guys, four of those guys on top 30 visits, which is key. Luke will get into that in a little bit, but that's very, very important when trying to forecast what the Bills are going to do in the first round. They've had JSN, Jalen Hyatt, Zay Flowers, and Jordan Addison on top 30 visits. The other thing I will say, um, I don't think Josh Allen is necessarily a squeaky wheel. I don't think Josh Allen is calling up Brandon Bean saying, you need to do this, this, and this. But I think we've we've reached the point of Josh Allen in this in this building where I, I think there's an awareness, even if Josh Allen hasn't verbalized it, that the front office is starting to feel we need to empower Josh Allen a little bit. Um, we've drafted a lot of defensive players and some of them haven't worked out. We did trade a first for Diggs, but the last image we have of the Bills last season is Stefan Diggs yelling at Josh Allen and we don't know how that relationship is. We can only assume it's fine, but we don't know. And Diggs is going to be 30 this year. Gabe Davis is coming into a contract year. We don't know if he's going to be here beyond this year. And it just makes sense that this organization would go out and spend a premium asset on something that would make Josh Allen very, very happy. Could they use a linebacker? Yes. Could they use a defensive tackle? Yes. Could they use an edge? Yes. But all things being equal, assuming one of those four guys who were here on a pre-draft visit, and I will also throw Quinton Johnston into the mix just because the value makes sense, assuming they're on the board when the Bills pick, I think they are going to win out most tiebreakers unless a certain running back who also would weaponize Josh Allen still happens to be on the board. But that's why I feel like receiver just makes a lot of sense. They need a player there. And one last thing I will say, by the end of last season, it was painfully obvious that if you take away digs, this offense just cannot function. And they scored 10 points in a playoff game when their entire starting 11 from opening night was on the field. It wasn't an injury situation for the offense. They were all out there against the Bengals and they mustered 10 points in a playoff game. That's all fair. That's all fair. So 
we're talking at pick 27 here, correct? You know, they sit where they are, stand pat at pick 27. What yeah. position they take? Okay. So I agree mostly with you taking wide receiver uh, for a couple reasons, which will ultimately lead into the position that I actually would probably go. And spoiler alert, it is not wide receiver, but it's not because, you know, necessarily I disagree with you. I just think maybe it leans another way at pick 27. And that's the key part of all of this to me. So a big, big thing you made the point of is the value at pick 27 at that position has a potential to be there. And it, it could be vast and have a lot of different options and everything like that. And I fully agree with that point. I just think that the value of wide receiver and everything like that may dwindle just enough beforehand that it will be too thin for their their liking and there's just only a couple guys they like and all of a sudden the value pick there at 27 will inevitably become edge and i'm going to pick edge just Hmm. simply based on in this year's draft the deepest position among all the positions is edge and i firmly believe that Bean and all of them are big, big proprietors of best player available. Whoever is the best player available on the board, you take them. Now, again, that's assuming there is someone there at 27 that they have a first-round grade on and everything like that, and I think they do their homework. I think there are enough edges here that they would have a first-round grade on that if one or two wide receivers go and yet they're not able to move up and stuff and they have to make a pick at 27, potentially their first-round wide ah, first round wide receivers are not there. And that's pretty much to me based on one individual whose name I know will be brought up later. That's based on one individual. However, they grade him. I genuinely don't know. And if he is not a first round graded guy at your position, then I I think ultimately they would go, you know, DN edge. That is the position they would be going with most likely just due to the fact of the individuals in this draft where they ultimately will fall. And like we even experienced in the mock draft, somehow a guy like Miles Murphy found his way trickling down the draft board. And if that scenario broke down, like we just had it in our mock draft, they're taking Miles Murphy, in my opinion. Like, I don't know how they would pass him up. I genuinely don't know. So you know what the reaction would be if they take an edge, right or wrong. There'd be a large segment of the fan base that would say, Oh my God, another defensive lineman. We've just taken Ed Oliver in 2019 in the first round. As far as edge goes, we've taken AJ Epinesa in the second round, our first draft pick that year. We've taken Greg Rousseau in the first round and then doubled down and took Boogie Basham in the second round. And if Brandon Bean goes out and takes another edge after signing Von Miller to a mega deal, I I understand that there'd be some frustration in the fan base. And I will tell you, I, I get it. But to Lucas' point, if it's the best player, it's the best player. You've never heard a coach in the history of the NFL say, we have too many good pass rushers. And I will tell you, like, I'm not the biggest Miles Murphy guy. I'm I'm not. Like, I think he makes sense at 27. I'm not with you where, like, he stands out so much on the board. I think, I mean, if Nolan Smith fell at 27, I will be unstoppable on draft night as far as, like, how excited I would be. Um, Will McDonald, I think makes some sense. And we know he was in a a top 30 visit, but yeah, I mean, if the bills truly do have a higher grade on the edge, 
Luca, this is important in any business strategy. You can't let sunk cost of previous investments override the best decision for your present. And the fact that the Bills have spent second round picks on Boogie Basham and AJ Epinesa should not be a reason that they don't take a first round pick this year if the if the value makes sense. Because Boogie Basham and AJ Epinesa are no longer second round picks. They are Boogie Basham and AJ Epinesa. And whatever that's worth, the Bills have to determine if they have to get better there or not. And if they determine they need to be better, then they need to invest to get better. And I think that's where they're at. Absolutely. Where you just wrap that up is exactly where it is. These guys are no longer a former first. I mean, they are a former second round pick and things like that, but that's not what they are when it comes to their cost evaluation and what you make your decisions now in the draft on. They have already been on the roster long enough and they have been in the organization and in the building long enough where it's like you just need to evaluate them as talent of your roster. And if you feel like they are just not good enough when it comes to the depth pieces that they are and you have a value that is an edge rusher like potentially a Miles Murphy, just because that's who I referenced before a will McDonald, the fourth, uh, if <laughs> I will say I'm with you hundred percent, I don't in mm-hmm. any world think that it will happen. But if Nolan Smith is there, we'll just throw him out there. Cause it's an example you brought up all these different guys, you know, if some crazy thing like Lucas Van Ness dropped, like <laughs> all these things, like I'm, I'm not thinking this happens, but if they had a Luca. You, I mean, I know there's an S there, but you will just, <laughs> Yeah, that'd be cool. I would love yeah. to have a Luca on there. Um, but so all these different guys, like that's the whole point of where I'm going with this, though. Like we just named all these different guys, and we've seen different mocks out there where they're scattered all over the place. Van Ness and Nolan Smith seem to be falling in the top 15, most likely, and stuff like that. But regardless, because there are those guys, these other individuals just fall because. When you're drafting, I think another point to be made here, Josh, is when you're drafting at 27 and and 30 and and so on and so forth, like it's not like the years when you were drafting 10th overall and stuff like that. And you can kind of evaluate multiple high-end talents at your pick and kind of determine which need you need to kind of take here. You have what is a good enough roster where there aren't a ton of dire needs and You get slim pickings by the time it falls down to you. So you really just need to take that best player there. And it just so happens that this year's draft has a fairly deep edge presence to it. And that's just what, and really it's defensive line overall. You just made me choose a position and I just felt edge gets the edge in this argument. Ah. So (laughs) shout out. Um, So it's just ultimately they're going to take the best player available. I, I think Fans can be frustrated. You have the absolute right to be frustrated if it ends up being an edge and everything like that. But in the back of your mind, you have to remember you need to just take the best player available because that is what leads to the most successful pick there, especially at 27. Like you can't just reach for Jack Campbell or whatever it is because of what your team looks like. It's foolish. That's that is just a gamble that's not worth being had there. You could figure it out later on what you need to do to fill that linebacker role if you really feel like that needs to happen. If you want to trade your fifth, sixth, and move your third up or second up, whatever you think you need to do to fill the position you need to fill, take care of that on day two and three. Like, figure that out later. You take the best player available if you need to at pick 27. 
no ifs, ands, or buts. Do not reach. Do not do anything. That is how you get yourself into big, big trouble. That's that's what gets GMs fired. When you reach for things, when you do crazy stuff like that, that is what gets you fired. I'm with you. I have one more wide receiver question for you before Luca and I have a very fun game we want to play. Okay, so the consensus number one wide receiver in this draft is Jackson Smith and Jigba, it seems. And I would venture to guess, based on what the Bills have, what they need, that he would be the number one wide receiver on their board as well. He definitely would slot huh, into the slot very comfortably and would just be would be a very strong addition. Luca, how do you think the Bills rank the next three to four wide receivers? How, how do you think it looks and where would you think maybe a gap would be just spitballing here? Do you have a feel for how the bills might view it? Is there a group of four, like we reference where it's, you know, some order of Jalen Hyatt, uh, Quentin Johnston, uh, Jordan Addison, Zay flowers. Is there maybe one or two that are above the rest? Then you get into another tier. Is there somebody like Josh downs that might come in and, and even be above a guy like a, a Quentin Johnston, who we know wasn't on a top 30 visit. Just what's your hunch on how the Bills might view this? I view all of this as simple as I think they understand who JSN is. And I believe you don't bring in a guy like JSN in because you have had discussions with GMs around the league and stuff like that. You understand where he stands. And you also probably have seen him at the combine and his pro day and so on and so forth. I know, you know, the bills always have a big presence at the OSU uh, pro day. So they definitely saw his workouts there. Um, I think they value JSN highly, even though he wasn't brought in for a top 30. Um, what I will say is I think there is a group there um, when it comes to, we'll call it their, top tier overall and this isn't necessarily like all tier one guys this is just me saying these are potential first round graded guys that i think and zay flowers jordan addison and jalen hyatt i do believe they have potentially first round grades for and i'm just basing that on simple history when it comes to the bills and how it seems like they evaluate talent what they like to see what they don't like to see so on and so forth and the interesting part, too, is I say they probably rank, you know, JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba fairly high. But like a thing that the Bills love, especially with highly ranked guys, is measurables and, you know, freak athleticism. And JSN has a lot of great things when it comes to his twitchiness. He's a great slot guy, as you mentioned. I mean, he had an incredible three cone and shuttle. But when you look at his actual measurables, they're actually pretty underwhelming um, comparatively to like, you know, combine history and so on and so forth. It's nothing, you know, when it comes to recent, you know, it's just overall picture. Um, so it's kind of like a loose checks that box because he has the athleticism. He has a lot of tape at least two years ago that makes him look very, very dynamic, especially in that slot role. He seems like a great talent and you're kind of understanding what he is from that. But now turning the tables on a name that people are probably surprised on because I don't necessarily feel this way but I can fully understand why they may feel this way and why you are big on this guy. Jalen Hyatt, for instance, you know, he ran a four, four flat 40. He had a uh, 10 yard split of one, one and 1.5. Um, those are both 80 plus percentile in the history of the combine. Of course, he had a vertical that was 40 inches. That's 93%. He had a broad jump. That was 135 inches. I want to say that is I, again, I, I never look at that metric. I apologize if that's incorrect. 
Um, that is the 99th percentile. I wouldn't uh, think it'd be feet. <laughs> pretty broad, <laughs> broad jump. I, I'm yeah. confident in that one. Yeah. I'm just saying in centimeters or inches. I'm pretty yeah, sure they do inches. inches but, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so 135 inches, 99th percentile in combine history. That is incredibly impressive. Of course, he does have that weight issue, but his tape, he flies. He's got these measurables that pop at you. There's a lot there that I understand in the history with this Bills organization where it currently is this front office. I can understand if they probably potentially, this is the individual I hinted at earlier there, that they put could have a first round grade on and do not be surprised by that no matter how you feel about them personally, like my, like I just said myself, I don't necessarily put him there. I have enough concerns about him, but I can fully understand why they may feel that way. And I can talk myself into it. Absolutely. I, I think there's enough tape and stuff like that when it comes to Jalen Hyatt, where it's like, okay, I get it. If you're in love with this guy, if you love what you see, you're going to give a first round grade to him. That's just how it works. So yeah, ultimately just to wrap it real quick here, just to rename the names. I think JSN, they put in that top tier category. I do think Zay flowers and Addison, they put in that top tier category. And I do have this hunch that Jalen Hyatt is also in that group with those three others. And those are potentially to me, I could easily see them having Quentin Johnston in there. I just think with Quentin Johnston, it's interesting to me that an individual like himself that is potentially going to be there around their pick did not get a top 30 uh, visit. I feel like if they actually did like a lot with him, they would have brought him in for something like that. And then you see as of course, Zay flowers, Jalen Hyatt, and they did also bring in JSN for these top 30 pre-draft visits. You don't bring in uh, Quentin Johnson. I know I'd said they didn't bring in JSN earlier. I, I apologize about that. They did actually bring him in, yeah. but regardless, they didn't bring in Quentin Johnston. So my point here is I don't know if they necessarily like him as much as others may also think he could be a guy there at 27. That to me is enough to think maybe they just graded him a little bit under after seeing his workouts and stuff like that, looking at the ta tape, things like that. And he's just not quite there with Zay Addison, Hyatt and JSN. I mean, this is going to be a boring show if, if we continue to agree all night, but I'm with you. I think you said the right names, and I think you left out the right name. I think after JSN, their three receivers, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, and Jalen Hyatt. And I think the biggest thing to figure out on draft night is do they have a first-round grade or at least a high second-round grade on Jalen Hyatt? Essentially, are they willing to pull the trigger on him at 27? And if they are, then I think there is a very good chance they come away with a wide receiver in the first round. I feel like what we've learned about the Bills since Josh Allen became their quarterback is you saw them kind of go through different phases with him. When he first came to the Bills, it was size. It was Kelvin Benjamin, Andre Holmes. And, you know, it was you're going to you're going to have a huge catch radius and the inaccurate. I want to make sure that gets in quotes inaccurate quarterback from Wyoming. He's going to be able to hit a target that's this big because of my catch radius. And they don't have to be open. And what we learned the next year when they brought in Cole Beasley and John Brown and they got Isaiah McKenzie off waivers is that Josh Allen actually thrives with smaller, shiftier receivers that get open quick, instant separators, as people like to say, see them open, get open, catch the ball. That's what he thrives with. 
And obviously, like a unicorn like Diggs, who can not only win contested catches, but get open quickly, those guys don't grow on trees. So I think the three guys you named, Hyatt may be a little bit different conversation, but I mean, JSN, clearly instant separator. Zay Flowers, instant separator, electric with the ball in his hands. And then Jordan Addison might run the best routes in the entire class. If not him, it's JSN. Those guys would fit Josh Allen like a glove. Hyatt's a little different conversation. There's some projection in his route running. He didn't run a lot of routes at Tennessee. Um, we talked a lot about him in previous episodes. If you're listening to this show, I'm guessing you know all about him. But I think where Hyatt is interesting to them is he has a certain skill set that you just cannot teach. He has top-end speed. I know he ran a 4-4 at his 40, on his combine. There's a reason why scouts from teams told him he didn't have to run again in his pro day. They understood that he was hurt at the combine and they understood that on tape, he probably could have even broke a four, three at the combine. He is the fastest receiver in this class. Jalen Hyatt has great hands on the deep ball. He has, he has good length with his arms. He catches the ball. Well, he has late hands. He has to improve his route tree, but I think at worst he comes in and he's will fuller. You have Gabe Davis. You have, you have Stefan Diggs, And if you can grow his route tree, my goodness, you have an absolute weapon on your hands who is just 21 years old. Um, I think if I had to guess right now, I would think that Addison and flowers outrank him. Uh, There's really no way of telling we've heard the rumblings that the bills are really into Jordan Addison. It's, it's hard for me, Luca to wrap my mind around why you would love Jordan Addison and not like Zay flowers more because I feel like Zay Flowers can do pretty much everything Jordan Addison can do with a little bit of a turbo button. Um, That's just my opinion. I understand there's some arm length concerns about Zay Flowers that maybe, you know, we know the Bills like their size models, but it's not like Jordan Addison is, is, you know, Calvin Johnson by any means. Um, But I, I, to me, if, if you're separating those two, it would be Zay Flowers over Jordan Addison. But I think either one of those two on the board at 27, I'm going to be sitting here on draft and expecting it to be their name. Jalen Hyatt on the board at 27. I'll be looking around like, who are the edges? Who are the defensive tackles? Bijan still there? No, no. <laughs> I'm thinking it's going to be Jalen Hyatt. So that's kind of where I'm at. Anything else you'd like to say before we get into our game? Any other thoughts? Any lingering concerns? Or I feel like we've we've covered a lot in these last couple of months, but anything that's still kind of on your mind? No, I mean, I think overall before we go into the game because i think this is a great last point to make here when it comes to what the game will be and i'll let you kind of explain it thoroughly because you sent out even a tweet about it and i you phrased it perfectly because of course it's phrased in a very strategic way there's a reason it's not phrased in a specific way that it might appear to be when you first read it at first glance but Overall, when it comes to the Bills, if you look at the history under Bean, now with Bean, you got to remember that uh, does not include Trey White, even though Trey White kind of basically fits this mold anyways. um, When it comes to their high-end picks, they always check three boxes. Always. And when I say always, let me just say always one more time because they always check three boxes. They are athletically freak at something they or everything for that matter. They are a freak of nature. They are 21 years age or younger. 
They are always very young. And, you know, by the time they get through that fifth year option, they are still entering their prime, not in the middle of their prime. And three, they came in for that top 30 visit. They have always drafted in the first round those three categories. And that is how they seem to operate. So when it comes to that in mind, if you really look at all of these top 30 visits, because that's a great place to start. And then you start to dive into it further because among the top 30 visits, you see people out there going, you know, McDonald, the fourth would be nice. He's 23 years old. That immediately takes him out of that checkbox. Of course, you're 23. You can't magically make yourself two years younger by the draft time. Um, Another individual that comes to mind, I believe, is Osiris Torrance. Again, the age is not there, I believe, with him. Um, another individual I'm trying to think right now off the top of my head, I think it's a flowers. Yeah. Zay flowers mm-hmm. again, 23 years old, does have a top 30 visit, very athletically gifted, but he is not 21 or younger. I'm not saying that this is end all be all, but what I am saying is there's a reason that there's this massive trend with their first round picks. It seems to be things that they value a lot. So with that in mind, There are four individuals, and one's kind of loose in my opinion, and I just think it's more about where he stands on the draft board, why he would fill this role. But there are only four guys on the top 30 list that really make sense at 27 or in the first round in general that check all three of those boxes. That is JSN. That's my loose one because athletically, when it comes to his measurables, he does have very high measurables with the three cone and everything like that. But outside of that, measurable-wise, you kind of use that term loosely with him, but he is 21 years at the draft. And he is of course on the top 30 list. Mozzie Smith. He is 21 years old at the time of the draft. And he has some freakish like measurables. If you look it up, uh, Darnell, Wright, The offensive tackle out of Tennessee. He is 21 years old at the draft. He was at a top 30 visit. And he again has some freakish ones, including one that we read off earlier. I don't have it in front of me, but it was pretty, it was his broad jump. It was pretty ridiculous for the size of human that he is. Um, And then last but not least is Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt checks all three of these boxes. Like you said, he ran a four, four flat with an injury at the combine. He has freak athleticism when it comes to his speed. He is 21 years old at the draft and he was on a top 30 visit. These are the reasons that we are sitting here. And like I even said, I don't necessarily see him as a first round pick grade in my opinion, but I fully understand it if the bills do, because the trends show this is why they probably do. There's a lot to love about this individual. Um, everything like that. Were you looking up, uh, by any chance what Darnell, uh, Darnell Wright's stuff was, or were you just, searching something else i saw you search right at that time okay i was hoping you were looking up his broad jump because i remember it being freakish anyways no i was looking up jordan addison's age just because i wanted to see when he turned 21 don't mind yeah he is 21 years old i had turned he was 20 in january by the way like there's almost like an edmunds vibe there yeah he's a young 21 right addison if that's the one you want to be like hey like that he's really good route runner it's like measurables Mm -hmm. don't necessarily equate to route running And when you look at his measurables, and this is a great time to even bring that up since you brought him up, and I think it's a perfect uh, thing here. His hands, eight and three quarters, that's 21 percentile in combine history. Arm length, 30 and seven eighth inches, that's 29 percent percentile in combine history. Wingspan, 74 and a half, 26 percentile. 449 average, um, it's 55 percentile. 
Uh, let's see here. His verticals, 34 inches, 32 percentile. Broad jump, 122 inches, 57 percentile. Nothing that jumps off the pages when it comes to his measurables. He's five foot 11, 173 pounds. That's actually extremely small um, when it comes to percentile even. Do you? Do you have those same numbers for height? I know you went through his like his explosion drills and athletic testing. But what about like arm length and percentile? If you went oh, over yeah, that, I'm absolutely. sorry, but no, no, you're good. I, I will do that right now. So his hands are on the smaller side. They're nine inch flat. That is 31 percentile. But his arms are 32 and a half, which is 62 percentile. And his wingspan is 77 and a half, which is 65 percentile. So I think with that, it's kind of a pass fail. And you're yeah. above the 50 percent. That is a pass. You have passed the test of having long arms. It's it's interesting. And again, broad jump, 135 inches, 99 percentile, 40 inch vertical, 93 percentile. Like there is all the measurables. The only measurable that honestly you can knock on him is he's 176 pounds. He's that's a five percentile. That is extremely small. Good news. You can beef him up a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah. you, can put some, you can put some meat on there and you can beef him up. That is doable. That is why you have strength and conditioning coaches. And, you, you know, I don't know what they would do with that when it comes to wide receivers, because, of course, the more you build, it might uh, reduce his ability and twitchiness and everything like that. But again, I'm not that individual that knows how that works. I'm not going to pretend to know how that works. Everything like that. It's it's very, very interesting. These last three points, again, 21 or younger at the time of the draft top 30 visit and have freak like measurables again, arms, things like that. pass fail. I I'm crediting you with that. I thought, I think that's spot on. I, th I don't necessarily think they have to be 75% or greater. Like that's, that's a pretty ridiculous thing to hold mm -hmm. against an individual, but as long as you're, you know, average or better at those kinds of things, when it comes to arm length and stuff like that, then it's a pass and you move on accordingly and everything like that. I'm just going to pull up this. I, I want to stop here. The Darnell Wright situation is driving me nuts. I just want to know the one measurable that just, I was like, what in the world am I reading right now? So for a 330 pound man, which by the way, puts him in the 90 percentile. <laughs> uh, he had a broad jump of 114 inches, which is Oof. 95 percentile for offensive linemen in combine history. That my friends is absurd. That is, that's mm -hmm. a big boy who can jump far which means he has probably pretty strong legs. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. I'd say he's a pretty explosive guy. Yeah, yeah. But overall, the last point I want to make before we go into this fun game, I don't want to drag on anymore, is, yeah, keep in mind, people, they like three things in the first round. So but also, by the way, if those four names are gone and magically you see the Bills traded down with someone and it's like, you know, and again, Jalen Hyatt being drafted in the first round before pick 27 would be shocking to me. But um if all four of those guys are gone and like all by the next pick, the bills have traded back already. I would be like, okay, we need to use this. Like it's like the law. <laughs> like mm -hmm. This is yeah. the law moving forward. People, if you want to really win some money and bet on players to be drafted by the bills, this is the criteria you fill out moving forward. This is their law. Well, speaking of betting on players to be picked by the bills, let's oh. talk about the game we have tonight. Yes. Luca and I are going to do something where we draft a team of five players using a snake draft. And the idea is we are trying to nail down the very first player, the bill select in this draft. So if they were to trade down to 40 and pick Jack Campbell, Jack Campbell would be the correct answer. If they trade their first round pick for Jerry Judy. And then in the second round, they pick Jack Campbell, Jack Campbell would be the correct pick. It's whoever they draft 
first. So with all of that as a backdrop, we're going to be trying to obviously the very first person I pick is the person I think is most likely there is strategy involved here. I know Luca every time I pick is going to have two picks after that. So we have to kind of think about that. We're each going to compile five picks, but this is a little old school bills chat. The way we determine draft order is a little bit unique. One of us comes up with a trivia question and the other one gets to answer it. If they get it correct, they get to choose if they want to go first or second. I have come up with a trivia question for Luca. And then if he gets it correct, he will choose where he's drafting. Since this is draft week, it is only right that I have a draft themed trivia question. Luca, are you ready? Absolutely. I am. I'm always ready. I'm always. Since 2010, maybe that's a hint. Since 2010, the Bills have drafted three players in the first round from the University of Clemson. Ooh. Can you name them? So since 2010, so that includes 2010, correct? Correct. So, okay. So 2010 is CJ Spiller. So we can just get that one out of the way. Yeah. Um, okay. So it was three. Three out of Clemson. Okay. So CJ Spiller, uh, Sammy Watkins, and Shaq Lawson. Boom. Nailed it. That's easy, man. You made me think that pre-show. I will say people, he was, he was making me think that it might be like a little something I'll, I'll, you know, we'll see how it goes. And I'm thinking, man, is he going to throw me a curveball? No, that was a, that was a nice one. I like that one. Okay. I was kind of hoping that the Shaq Lawson one would trip you up yeah. just be, and I was going to be like, he's on the team, but um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it is easy to forget that he was a first round pick and then left and then came back. So anyway, where would you like to pick? I know my college ball people. Um, I will take second two. So I will let you have the first pick. I will take the snake around to start. <laughs> all right. Well, we just talked about all the things that the bills look for in their picks. We look, they look for measurables. They look for age, top 30 visits. And I'm going to choose somebody that doesn't check all three of those boxes. And it's unfortunate because I agree with everything you said, but I do think that when you look at the value of this draft, when you look at where he is projected and where the Bills' needs line up, I think he is the person at that position that has the best chance of falling to the Bills, and we have heard some rumblings that the Bills are in on him. The box that he doesn't check, though, is the athletic freak, and that does concern me. And then the thing you just said about his arm length got my wheels turning, but I don't want to overthink this. I need to realize this is the long game. I do get five players here and I went into this thinking that he was the most likely to be a bill. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go with Jordan Addison with my first pick and uh, he's off the board. Interesting. 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 Okay. I, it's, that is a very conservative first pick. Yeah. I um, so. All right. So now I get the snake thing here. So who do I want to lead off my list here? Who do I want to lead off and everything like that? And I'm going to kind of keep it consistent with a question you asked earlier in this episode. Not that this was planned at all, but I think it's brilliant, to be honest. Uh, a little bit of your genius here has kind of leaked through. Um, I said that the most likely position that they would draft is edge or just D-line in general. And now I'm going to take an individual that, one, has been getting a lot of heat lately when it comes to firing up the Bills uh, faithful on Twitter and everything like that. He is on the D line. And also he was a name that I named in that list of four that checks all the boxes. 
So if they were to sit at 27, which is where my mind is with this pick right now, and they are just evaluating who they have at this and who's higher on their draft board. Ultimately, I think this is a realistic guy there that they could be taking as long as he is still there. And that is Mozzie Smith out of Michigan. Mm-hmm. That is going to be my first pick. That is one that I could, I I'm seeing a lot of late, you know, coming up to draft hype, which of course it's smoke season. So, I mean, it could just all be smoke, but I don't know why you'd be doing smoke for Mozzie Smith. So there's probably something to it. It checks all the boxes that they like in the first round when it comes to their first round grade defensive tackle as well. He's a big guy. Like there's a lot of things to love about him where it's like, okay, I, I can see this now. I understand it, everything like that. So yeah, I'm going to go Mozzie Smith with my first pick. Yeah. Uh, we were even talking off the air. I, I'm buying it. I, I think he checks so many boxes for the bills. I think they would absolutely love him. And if he's on the board, unless Zay flowers or at, you know, maybe Addison sitting there, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, I'll keep the second one short and sweet here because you may have just already just name dropped him in that moment right there. It's my favorite player of the draft. It's the one I'm going to be tracking. It's the one I'm going to be praying, to be quite honest, that the Bills end up taking somehow, some way, whatever they need to do, make it happen because I want to buy his jersey. I want to root for him. I love everything about him, and I root for him to be extremely successful and just give me yet another excuse to draft him come fantasy season. And that is the one and only Zay Flowers out of Boston College. I want him on my list. I can't let you have him on your list. And I love him so much. He's my favorite draft prospect this year. Yes, give me Zay Flowers. That makes sense. I think um, you probably are looking at a trade up there for him, but yes. we've seen being trade up before. Yep. And I, I think it's absolutely conceivable that the Bills will love him. So you started off strong here. You got Mozzie Smith. And Zay Flowers. Not much of a surprise where I'm going here. We were just talking about him a lot. Going to go with my guy, my draft crush, Jalen Hyatt. I, he checks a lot of boxes for the Bills. I think there's a very good chance he's the last receiver standing when they're on the, on the clock. I think there's a lot of context clues that lead you to believe that they would prefer him over Quentin Johnston um, based on his skill set, based on the top 30 visit. So Jalen Hyatt, to me, I feel like I'm I'm covered pretty well at wide receiver here with Addison and Hyatt. And and I feel pretty strong about that pick. And then I'll go into my next one here. Luca gets a little tricky now, doesn't it? Oh yeah. Because now you kind of have to start using some projection. I'm going to do something that I think will require a move, but I'm not ruling it out. In fact, I think that a move in this direction is somewhat likely. Um, there's a lot of reasons to think that the bills will like this player. Um, he's been tied to the bills. I'm going to go with Jack Campbell, the linebacker out of Iowa. Neither you nor I will be thrilled if he is the pick at 27. We are just going to say that right now. We won't be thrilled. We'll get it. We'll understand it. We'll do this. Mm. Okay. I get it. (laughs) But man, he fits, he fits this team like a glove training with Luke Keekley the strengths of his game or where the strengths of the modern NFL need to be for a middle linebacker. He's great in pass coverage. He clogs up passing lanes for a guy as big as he is. He underwhelms you at the point of contact, but that's a lot of the same stuff we said about Tremaine Edmonds. He's not Tremaine Edmonds. We'll understand that, but he could be in time. Um, But I think that there's a really high probability that the bills love this player. 
The Luke Keekley thing matters a little bit, um, but I think he just process, 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 team leader, instant starter. I mean, you draft Jack Campbell, whether it's first or second round, he's coming in, he's your starting linebacker on opening day, just write it down in Hink. I think there's a chance that he's their second player they pick, but I feel like he's somebody that they could realistically just target in this draft. And I will tell you, Luke, if they trade out of out of the round one and get a pick in the mid thirties, I'll be spending all Thursday night thinking that Jack Campbell is going to be a bill. So covering myself really on the trade down. Yeah, that's a smart pick. I will say that was going to be my next pick. If you went another direction that I will make my next pick. Um, I was kind of hoping you'd do it, but he is not going to fall anymore in this draft. And I'm going to make the most exciting pick of this segment. It is the one that I know some are probably going to be head over heels excited about. It would make our draft night live show one to behold. I I pray that it could happen just because the electricity that it would have around the bills and the hype that we would be hearing about for you know the com- foreseeable future going into preseason would be unreal. And that is darn no, I'm just kidding. It is Bijan Robinson. Like yeah. <laughs> it would be unbelievable. That is obviously a trade up situation. I have gone back to back trade up situations here, uh, most likely, but. I will say this. It's kind of a nice moment to bring this up real quick. This is the first time in a while where I get the sense that Bean would not mind trading up a little bit, find someone he loves and getting it. And I'm not talking about trading up two picks to get Kyrie living, just make sure he's here. I'm talking about moving up and getting your guy. And that's a substantial move with a substantial return for that other team to then, hey, Bijan somehow found himself to 16, 18. All right, we're done with this. <laughs> like, let's, let's go get him. Thank you very much. Let's have a good one. This is going to cost us a two and a five and whatever. Like, who knows what that situation would be? I don't know that calculator off the top of my head. But regardless, very aggressive move. Move up, get Bijan. So, yeah, I'm not going to – I, I got to take him there. The value's good. I'll roll right into my next one because – Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, because ahead. we spent all last year talking about Odell Beckham. And what was the first thing you said? They sign Odell Beckham. I'm buying his jersey. <laughs> we won't be off the air. And I will have placed my order for a Bijan Robinson jersey. And you probably will have to. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Depending on what else they do that night. because Or maybe the next night. Wink, wink. Yeah. Wink. If they nuke, your, if they nuke the draft, yeah. If they nuke the draft, that would be the one that I would be pulling. I got a love for ride receivers, man. It's always been yeah. my thing. It's just anyway. I'm with you. I, I think I think that the love of the 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 chance that they love him is real. I understand the James Cook thing, but we cannot forget that they had James Cook on their roster when they were heavily involved in the Christian McCaffrey talks last year. Yes. So I yes. think. I think the biggest obstacle to them taking Bijan Robinson is the fact that he won't sniff the range of what they could trade up to. I agree. I agree. But I, I think I, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm with you 100. Like the only thing that holds them back is you really have to make an aggressive push. So the board just needs. They are praying that run on quarterbacks happens, which unfortunately I don't actually think happens. I don't believe you are on that. You know, subscribe to that happening. It did, it could happen. But. Did you see the betting line movement? On Will Levis? Yeah, that moving weird. That's aggressive. And, you know, we had someone in our Discord say, you know, smells like Raiders. I saw, I, I still don't buy the Raiders doing all of this. I just, I don't, I don't see it. Like, you just signed Jimmy G. Like, I, I, 
I'm not going to get into that right now, but I just, so I'll let, I'll let you get to your pick, but just cause you know, we have an audience The the, the thing that was posted was that will Levis is now like the betting favorite to be the second player picked in the draft, which is just wild because up until yesterday, CJ Stroud was all but considered the, the second best quarterback and somewhat likely to go to overall. Anyway, on with yeah. you. No, perfect. Um, so I'm going to go back to my old reliable uh, checks boxes here. Mm-hmm. So I just made two uh, trades up, but now I'm going back to check boxes and you got to check all three boxes. And this is where you might think I'm going wide receiver, but I am not because again, that other wide receiver would require most likely a trade up. So therefore, if at pick 27, this individual is sitting there and the board is just not looking in a way where they can trade back, even no one wants to trade up to them. Ultimately, I think they would be okay if this guy was sitting there at 27 and they just have to <laughs> quote unquote, accept taking him there. And that's Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. Like, it just it checks all the boxes if he's there at 27 and there's no ability to move back, which I don't know if they necessarily would want to move back if he's sitting there. I I said that I don't think that they would take an offensive lineman, and I still believe that even making this pick now, it's just also BPA. And if you're not able to get what you want in return to move back anyways, then you're just taking the best player available. And if that so happens to be Darnell Wright, even though it's an offensive lineman, it still makes a lot of sense at 27. I fully understand it. Yeah, I like it. I'm going to, I I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I think you're covered. And, you know, there have been some character concerns with him that have come out. Now, it's the draft. You can never trust these things. But, you know, if if he ends up being the third or fourth tackle to go, I think you could could see that situation play out. And at this point, we're, we're down our list quite a bit. Another guy that I think probably would be a trade back situation for me, but I just want to cover my base as I know. He did not do a top 30 visit, neither did Jack Campbell. But I'm going to go back to the linebacker well and go with Drew Sanders from Arkansas, another player that I think is a little bit of that Tremaine Edmonds-like prototype. He honestly would not be my favorite linebacker if it's not Jack Campbell. I like Henley from Washington State a little bit more. But there's some athletic upside there with Sanders. He's been linked to the Bills by some mock draft experts. I think Mel Kuyper even put him to the Bills in his, excuse me, in his latest first round. So with my fourth pick to get what I think is still their most glaring hole, it's more of a conservative pick, kind of like the Addison pick, just covering my basis. If the Bills do trade back and go linebacker, I feel like I'm pretty well set up there to cover myself. I wouldn't be over overly thrilled with it. And then what I'm going to do with my fifth pick, Luca, is I'm going to do your version of the Bijan pick. Nowhere near as exciting, but I, I want to cover myself in a trade-up. And this would be an aggressive trade-up, but you never know. The draft can be weird. And, um, you know, the bills are obviously eyeing this position. He, he's, he's considered the best at the position. So I think this would, you know, it, we'll see how it goes. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder sometimes. So maybe he doesn't go first off the board at that position, but man, if Jackson Smith and Jigba starts falling to like 18, 19, I, I think Brandon Bean gets itchy. And, uh, you know, it's just a name that for my fifth pick, you know, the bills want a wide receiver, you know, Brandon Bean is an aggressive player. And, uh, you know, I, why not fifth pick go? I, I got myself covered on the trade back with linebacker. I got myself covered on the stay put and take a receiver with Addison and Hyatt. Let's get, let's get fun. Let's get wild. And, uh, let's get nuts. As George Costanza would say, let's go up and get Jackson Smith and Jigba to cover myself on the move up. I like it. I like that. I like that. You've covered all your bases on where they move because I'm looking at what I can potentially do here with my last pick. 
And I might have backed myself into a corner where I don't know if I like anything for the trade back category of this. Yeah. Um, you have gotten the trade back handled very well. Um, almost too well because now I'm screwed. But I like the <laughs> JSN move. I like all that stuff, everything like that. Because ultimately now I'm probably going to close this out with a position we haven't talked about uh, tonight. Um, and I think the idea of him being picked at 27 is sneakily more realistic than it seems. And I think it would be a very polarizing pick when it comes to seeing some of the reaction we have seen when it comes to this individual being picked potentially at 27. But ultimately I think I agreed with points you made on Friday night when it comes to why this pick makes sense. And I think that it doesn't get talked enough about when it comes to what this team wants to do on offense and stuff of that. And it might not require another big time wide receiver to do something that they ultimately want to do. We've seen situations where it's like, it seems like they want to try this, but they just can't get the right personnel to do so. I'm beating around the bush here. It's tight end Michael Mayer. Like that to me is a sneaky possible pick there at 27. And ultimately it's just like, look, the point you made was spot on. They brought in a potential number two high end or nice pass catching tight end in OJ Howard last year where it didn't work out. Um, but they wanted to try something there. They wanted to do that. They have Quentin Morris who showed a little bit of something. I don't think it's over the top and it's like, Hey, we can absolutely lean on this guy. A lot of two tight end sets, a lot of pass catching with these two tight ends out there. Of course, with him and Knox, I'm referring to, and let's go with that. Especially if you have someone like Michael Mayer sitting there, where as Josh had pointed out on the Friday night show our during our mock draft, where he did take him in that situation there. It's like, Hey, this guy is the best at contested catches. This guy is someone that could be looked at in the red zone or just even anywhere where it's like a third and go get it kind of situation. We need to pick up this first down and Allen eventually finds this rapport with him because Knox is getting some looks early on and that used to be a safety blanket. And then you just need that third guy there because as you even brought up earlier in this episode, when a defense takes away digs, all of a sudden it really lacks production everywhere else and you need to figure something else out. Maybe Michael Mayer can be that key that finally unlocks that ability to just get something else. Even if it's not open, he can still bring it down, stuff like that. It just at 27, if he's there, you don't have to sell me hard on it. I fully understand it. And there are some tea leaves of the past where it seems like the Bills do want to kind of unlock two tight end offense a little bit more just to give some different looks and get dif different personnel packages out there to expand the offense and do something about it. It clearly seems like something they want to do. You know, it's interesting. I, that was the pick I made in our mock draft on Friday night, but, and I agree with everything you said. And I think you and I are kind of in lockstep here where he is our favorite tight end in this class. It took me a little longer to come around on him than you, you were on him from the jump. But we talk about checking three boxes and there's a name that we haven't mentioned that depending on how the bills rate him on their board could absolutely check all three boxes. And that's tight end Darnell Washington, True. top 30 visit, athletic freak, 21 years old. 
um, you know, I've kind of ruled him out because I just feel like, you know, run heavy tight end. I don't know what he offers in the passing game, but he was on a top 30 visit. So was Osiris Torrance for what it's worth. And we kind of ruled him out too for a scheme fit. But I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, it could be a situation where, you know, Darnell Washington is somebody that they get into round two if they trade back and he's somebody they target. I don't know. I think Michael Meyer makes a lot of sense. Michael Mayer makes a lot of sense. Um, some of the beat reporters did a mock draft last week. And I know Tim Graham picked Michael Mayer to go to the Bills at pick 27. So, I mean, it's certainly not off the radar. And for the fifth pick in the draft, he's certainly also somebody that's being picked in that mid-20s range. So, I like it. Let's, yeah. re, let's recap our draft here. So, for me, Jordan Addison, wide receiver. Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver. Jack Campbell, linebacker. I picked a Drew Sanders Sanders, linebacker and then Jackson Smith and Jigba wide receiver. Luca, who's your squad? So my squad was first and foremost, Mozzie Smith, interior defensive lineman out of Michigan, Zay Flowers, wide receiver out of Boston College, the one and only B. John Robinson running back out of Texas, Uh, offensive tackle Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. And then wrapping it up with a nice, beautiful little bow and all his size and glory at six foot four, Michael Mayer, tight end out of Notre Dame, Notre Dame. And, I'm so, uh, yeah, I'm so excited because we're going to post this graphic tomorrow on Monday, like after we let the show breathe for a little bit and people can listen. And you know how Twitter <laughs> works. The first few comments are going to be. There's no way that Jackson Smith and Jigba falls to the Bills. You guys are idiots. And it's like, for those of you who have listened to this episode, we appreciate you. You will have clearly heard us say this was our trade trade up option or the whole Bijan Robinson or, oh my God, Jack Campbell at 27. Like we clearly said that was our trade back option. Is there anybody that you considered that we didn't mention? I think Josh Downs is interesting. I was a little surprised he didn't come on a top 30 Tank Dell came on a top there. I don't think he he makes a lot of sense. Um, but I think Darnell Washington probably needs to be at least mentioned. Will McDonald, he was on a top 30 visit. That's somebody that I think is probably in or around the conversation. What about the guy you you drafted in the mock draft, Miles Murphy? Yeah, so Miles Murphy came to mind. Um, I will say the one that I was like, man trade down situation you did cover linebacker really well so the trade down situation to me is like if they're trading down they're probably brewing something up when it comes to bringing a player from the outside in wink wink nuke yeah and so they're trading back and they're not going to take a josh downs in the second yeah. round while also trading for nuke i just don't see that i wanted to do josh downs because i love josh downs and if they all of a sudden take josh downs with that trade back I'm like, okay, Nuke might be off the table, and then they are going to, as you just said, bring in Jack Campbell or whatever falls there at 59, uh, whatever might have had to happen there, so on and so forth. Like, it, it was the one situation where it's like trading back. I could understand if they're drafting Josh Downs, but I feel like a trade back happens, and immediately before day two starts, they're calling Arizona like, hey, all right, we just accumulated an extra second-round pick. We'll trade you 59 if that's really what it's going to take. But now you need to send us back a fifth or something, you know, something else in return now on top of it to sweeten it up. If you really are firm on this second round pick to make the deal happen, like that's why Josh Downs didn't come out of my mind uh, or my mouth. 
come out of my mind, my mouth. Uh, Jordan Battle, I thought about it a little bit because maybe if they traded down and then yeah. they drafted him in the early day two situation, that could have been a situation there. Um, and then Quan Martin out of Illinois. He was the only other one I was thinking of because that would also be the trade down situation. Um, yeah, I, it's just it's so unpredictable, though, where I just I felt that's why I went with Michael Mayer overall as my last pick. It was like it's so unpredictable that I'm just going to go into this assumption of I would like to think that they're going to be aggressive for guys they like and then just accept other guys. They have a day one grade on if they're there at 27. And then also my mind is and this is kind of a point I love to make kind of behind the scenes and stuff. And I'll finally say it. I don't know if I've said it in the past for a draft that everyone says it's a lot smarter to trade back in. It doesn't really seem like a lot of teams want to trade up. So if you're in this mindset that the bills need to trade back, don't be surprised if unfortunately there's just not a deal to be had to trade back. Like this is a draft that doesn't seem very, very like there's not enough guys to me that are grabbing enough to other teams that it's like people are going to be calling the bills you know, at pick 27 because they want to get out from pick 38 to move up to 27 and grab this guy. It just doesn't seem like that kind of draft. So I'm not going to be overly surprised if they just aren't even able to trade out of that pick and move back in the first place. Yeah. And the other way to look at that too, is if everybody's trying to move back, maybe the cost to go up is discounted. Teams are so desperate to go back that maybe that move to go up five spots to get a B. John Robinson or a Jackson Smith and Jigba doesn't cost you a third round pick like it would in years past. Maybe it's a four to seven or something like that. And you know, who knows it's the draft is very interesting. One other thing about the strategy is I stockpiled positions. I went three receivers and two linebackers where you spread out the wealth. You went one of each, you went wide receiver, defensive tackle, uh, offensive lineman, tight end and running back. So you're covered pretty much. <laughs> As long as you get the player right, you're, you're right. covered depending on what flavor the Bills go to. Now, we'll probably all be wrong, and they'll go edge, and we'll just, you know, laugh about win, it. I win $500,000, yep. Is that? Okay, there well, you go. Remember, yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's true, too. So the, the position that you bet on, you didn't pick. So That's right. This is, this is kind of wrapping up the entire point that, unlike last year, who really knows? But we will be back on Thursday live on built in Buffalo at seven 30. The draft starts at eight, but we will be there from seven 30 until the time the bills pick. And then beyond reacting to it, we would love for you to join us. We will be obviously watching the draft, reacting to the draft, come hang out with us, have some special guests that we're going to be announcing this week. And we just want to also say for those of you, whether it's Spotify, Apple, YouTube, wherever you take us in, we have really enjoyed this draft season. We've enjoyed this ride. We're, we're continuing to grow this little project we started a year ago. Now we have over 5,000 followers on Twitter. We're part of Built in Buffalo Network. Wouldn't be possible without you, the people who choose to listen to us every week at taking our content. And we have made it to the end of draft prep season, although I'm sure we'll put up a couple more videos this week on YouTube just to kind of, you know, whet the appetite one last time. But we're going to next time Luca and I are on the air after our live draft show, we'll have the answers to what the bills did in this draft. And it'll be time to talk about specific players and no longer scenarios. But until then, we look forward to seeing you on Thursday during our live draft show. And for Luca, I am Josh McCarty, and we will see you next time on bills chat. Bye.